Hello, everyone. I'm Rachel Zabonik-Chonko, and welcome to the Club Solutions Magazine podcast. This episode features Chris Crater, the CEO of ACAC Fitness and Wellness, on industry trends for 2022. We talk about a wide range of subjects, including trends in HR, outdoor fitness, healthcare, and more. We also learn why Chris hates gift giving and why he's reading a leadership book relating to ships. It's a wide ranging, but fun and insightful conversation. Enjoy. This edition is sponsored by Club Solutions Mastermind Groups. The Club Solutions Mastermind Groups offer peer-to-peer support that's affordable, convenient, and for all levels of health club management. Go to clubsolutionsmgx.com for more information. Hey, Chris. Hey, Rachel. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing just fine. Thanks. Uh, just a little behind, uh, as usual, for everything that needs to get done between now and the end of the year. Yeah. Yeah, I'm definitely feeling the squeeze, too. Yeah. I, uh, I kind of like, I, I'm a really like a fun fact about me, obviously, is I'm a terrible gift giver. Like if you ask if you want a gift, like I'm the wrong guy to ask, like there's somebody else better for that for sure. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like there's probably, com- there's commercials to be made, I think, um, about how like, this is the kind of gift that a husband shouldn't give a wife. Like, and I have like <laughs> 10 of those things. Um, I'm not saying what they are obviously, because I, I don't want to go further down this rabbit hole, but, um, yeah, bad at that. So basically it's like, you know, oh, here's a candle, like I'm done, <laughs> you know? Yeah. But, but no, I think, um, you know, is that stress of now, uh, everything takes a little bit longer to get to. Yeah. So from a shipping perspective, you got to plan way in advance to actually figure out what it is you want. So I think a lot of people are getting gift cards this year. That's what it smells yeah. like, gift card Christmas. Yeah. And, you know, I don't know if that's a bad thing. I feel like we put a lot of pressure on ourselves every year to, you know, get lots of gifts, get the right yeah. gift. And I think people are I mean, you know, everyone rethought everything the past couple of years. Mm-hmm. I think that's one that might need to be rethought too. Totally. Totally. Yeah. And uh, I'm like, you know, some people are really bad at faking it when they don't like it. Yeah. They get it and they're like, look at you with like the, well, why do I have this? I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Um, I'm one of those people. I'm an open book. So if I don't like it, you're going to yeah. know. Yeah. I, I probably am too. Um, but but luckily yeah. now I'm kind of past the point where anybody gets me anything. So it's pretty good. Yeah. So, you know, I really want to know just kind of like what's top of mind for you right now as an operator um, and maybe get um, some insights for people on just things that they should be thinking about as we enter a new year. So I don't know if you want to start there. What's top of mind for you right now? Yeah. I mean, right now, obviously we're, we're a group that does a lot of um, end of year reviews of, of salaries and bonuses and, and, and employee compensation for the next year. And, uh, we're also handling weight, uh, rate increases too. So, you know, those go a little bit hand in glove. I think we're, we're subject to, so like many States are, um, ever increasing minimum wage amounts, which, you know, affect not necessarily people who are at a minimum wage now, but anybody who believes they should be at some portion of salary above uh, minimum wage and maintain that ratio. So how to, how to properly set employee compensation is kind of tricky because we are still recovering. We're not back, uh, in our group anyway, back to a 2019 kind of level, um, overall, we're mid-Atlantic states and, you know, what I would call some, with some varying levels of restrictions, we were in a totally open kind of area in the mid-Atlantic, um, Pennsylvania, Maryland, and, and Virginia. And so, you know, with, with that in mind, it's, it's a question of how to set this properly. You know, our, our employee group um, certainly is, is feeling uh, the effects of inflation, rising prices like everybody is. Yeah. And so what's the, what's the, what's the right way to kind of manage to that? Now, obviously, we can change things middle of the year, should we have to do a redo. Um, but on the rate increases, you only want to do that, but every so often. 
right? Yeah. So you can't be doing that every month if you're wrong. So how to tie the rate increases to what the salary increases are going to be, plus uh, other cost impacts from, you know, towels going up, cleaning supplies going up, um, you name it, any service we use is raising their prices as well. So that's kind of the tricky part to navigate is the unknown of to where the finish line is on this inflationary story that we're under uh, right now. Yeah, it's a really tough time to be in business. Yeah, yeah. I feel like the health club business has never been super easy. You know, it's yeah. very competitive. Um, you know, it's not the super high margin business like an iPhone or something like that. So you have, you have a lot of challenges already. And then, you know, with the pandemic, it's caused everyone to reinvent the wheel a little bit. So we're all looking at our business saying, wow, this is great. We've, we've done some things differently. We've become more efficient. You know, I don't know a single club operator who, who has said, yeah, we've become less efficient through COVID. I think they've all agreed that they've done um, a lot to, to trim up their operations to become uh, a leaner, meaner operation uh, generally. But, you know, we're also reinventing and saying, okay, what's the consumer want? How do we change, meet the changing needs of the, the health club consumer in this world? And so you've seen a lot of clubs throwing a lot of spaghetti against the wall, trying to figure out what's going to work. And so you're dealing with recovery plus a changing business. Uh, at, the, at the same time, we're dealing with rising uh, prices in terms of the, uh, the main factors that drive our expense side, meaning the labor and the rent and um, potentially other, other supplies and utilities and you name it. So all that thrown together makes for a, a difficult planning period. Yeah, for sure. We mentioned rate increases as a potential solution. Um, have, you, have you experimented with any other profit centers or any other way to bring in revenue? Yeah, I mean, we well, first of all, we looked at all of our various pricing, uh, not just membership rates and said, OK, you know, across the board, um, you know, we started raising rates for, for various services we were providing, whether from our uh, food and beverage operations or, you know, swim lessons or um, programs. And, and, and really, from a, a member perspective, they get it. Our customers understand what's happening. You know, so in our, you know, we're, we're a club company that does a lot of different things. We have preschools and summer camps and after school and swim and uh, spa and you name it. And so all those little ancillary uh, businesses, which in and of themselves can be, can be good sized. Um, we started raising prices there first um, for those profit centers, simply because we felt that, um, you know, those are, uh, you know, had a higher degree of variability in what people would pay for them. Um, as far as new profit centers, you know, we really haven't gone down um, the path of creating a ton new, a ton of new profit centers. I think our focus has really been about how do we get better at what we're doing? You know, yeah. we're gonna grow as best we can our core membership uh, with everything flowing from that. So, you know, personal training uh, being, being, being a primary focus as well as our youth programming, which, which are our top two peripheral um, business lines. Yeah, so maximizing more of what you have versus yeah, and, we're, and we're bringing stuff back. I mean, I guess the way I would look at it is there's some stuff that got canceled in the pandemic uh, that, that maybe for whatever reason, um, you know, we didn't want to, you know, we put a pause on a good yeah. example is we offer, uh, for our family members, um, one free night of babysitting a month. So if you're a family member with us, you can just drop your kids off for one night a month and it's free. And obviously for a parent, um, babysitting can be pretty expensive and also hard to schedule. And you're worried about, okay, well, you know, are they going to come to the house? Are they going to not? Do I have to take somebody home? All the stuff the parents go through. Uh, and that was a really popular program. So we just started bringing that back now. Uh, and, um, that was something a lot of parents didn't feel comfortable dropping their kids off in a place with uh, a group that they didn't know. Um, and so as parental attitudes towards participation of change, we were able to bring back programs like that, um, that were, that were value add to our members. Um, and at the same time, you know, for us kind of part of our brand, uh, identity, you know, Hey, this is just what we do. And being able to bring that back was important. Yeah. Well, that makes sense. Well, what else is top of mind for you right now? 
Oh, okay. Um, you know, obviously, you know, you know, I, I do a lot of work with with Ursa um, on the on the board of directors there, the vice chair for the board this year, and spent a lot of time uh, working on the, specifically on on advocacy uh, issues. And you know, we're getting close on the Gyms Act. I think the the way that I would describe it to to anyone um, is that Washington D.C. getting legislation through is pretty pretty hard. Um, I think most people who are involved in, in this work would tell you that it's much easier to get something killed than it is to get something passed. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially look at the rate of bill passage in, in Congress this year. It's been pretty meager. Um, but right now we're pointed towards probably a, um, a February timeline um, for small business relief of which uh, the, the Jim's Act would be a part. And the Jim's Act, obviously it's not written. It's not been produced by the Small Business Committee in the Senate where, where it's currently living. Um, but the initial read on it is it would be grant funding for health clubs um, designed to help mitigate the effects of, of the pandemic and the continued hangover that we're all feeling. And, and many clubs right now are still paying off deferred rent from the periods in which they were closed. Many clubs are still paying off, um, you know, uh, past due bills and things like that because the recovery is taking longer than we've all wanted and membership doesn't come back uh, at the drop of a hat. It takes a while to build back. So I think the Gyms Act will be very helpful uh, to a lot of the smaller uh, club groups that really have probably uh, borne the brunt of the, the effects. I think, um, you know, it's been, a, it's been a long road trying to get it through. I mean, we've been working on this since, I guess, fall of 2020, uh, if you want to put it that way, so 18 months. And, and we're close to the finish line now uh, to figuring out if this thing's going to pass. So that would be pretty cool. Um, so that is definitely top of mind for me because it's been something I've worked on. Um, but also top of me, mind for me in that role is what's next. Like what's going to come next? What, what are we going to do, um, you know, to help promote the industry? How do we continue to protect uh, the industry from harmful legislation, much of which happens at a state level, whether it be sales tax or contract restrictions or you name it. You know, how do we continue to advance um, the cause of our industry and be seen as essential, uh, be, be, be seen as um, you know, an important industry where we probably have clubs in every congressional district. In fact, I know we do. And you know, why, why aren't we swinging a bigger stick? Why aren't we a louder voice? And so whatever we can do to continue to promote ourselves will be front of mind for me as long as I'm on the board um, which, you know, I think I got an extra pandemic year, kind of like a college athlete or something, which is great. They gave us a, uh, they gave us a, uh, an extra year of being on the board this year. Um, wow. And it was a busy year for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So industry relief is still on the table and whether or not that passes or not, hopefully it does. St- we still need people involved in industry act- advocacy for what's, you know, coming down the line in the future. Oh, absolutely. I think one of the lessons learned is that not enough clubs were really engaged. You know, that there's a, you know, we, we were, we were not as strong as we needed to be when this started. And I think that, that, that's a wake up call for everybody because this won't be the last shock. You know, if you remember in the 2008 recession, 12 years ago, uh, at least 12 years from the start of COVID, you know, were we ready for that? Well, okay, we're going to go forward. And then there's a, a short memory for that type of thing. And we think everything's gonna be great forever. And all of a sudden COVID comes around and, oh, wait a minute, we're not prepared for that. So I just think that, that some preparation here is going to be pretty important because, you know, we just don't know what's around the corner and we better put ourselves in the best position to be relevant, to succeed and learn the lesson from 2020 that if we're not there ahead of time, we haven't built relationships with our lawmakers, with those in, in positions of authority uh, in local government. Um, then it's almost too late to do so once the crisis actually hits. You got to have those relationships ahead of time. You got to be able to do that before the bad news comes um, in order to remain effective and, and, and get a voice there uh, with those folks. Yeah. And you don't have to like contact, you know, a million people, right? No. You just start with someone um, locally 
Yep. And that, that can make an impact. Yeah, definitely. Everyone, I mean, advice to everyone is know your local congressman or woman, know your local um, representatives at the state level. Uh, I think it's just, it's just good business practice, you know, um, you know, and, and I, I can't stress enough that it's pretty easy. You know, they work for you. You can pick up the phone, you can email the call, especially as a constituent in a district. I mean, they're, they're elected to represent you. It's not the situation where, you know, you shouldn't be bothering them. In fact, that's what we do. Um, is that you got to be able to, to make a little bit of noise and, and sometimes even write checks, right? I mean, these politicians run on money. The gas in their tank is contributions. So certainly writing political uh, contribution checks to those who, uh, you know, whom you do support or those whom um, are elected in your district is pretty important because that, that brings you to the top of the list. You know, they may get a congressional office might get tens of thousands of calls, hundreds of thousands of calls in a year. And so how to know which ones are most important. Sometimes that starts with a check. Uh, whether we want to admit it or not, that's the American political system. And uh, it, it's an important part of the process. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think a lot of people are hesitant. Um, I think it just requires some planning and thought. I mm-hmm. mean, everyone just gets so caught up in their day-to-day lives or running their businesses. It can be kind of easy to forget that political advocacy is an important component. Oh, totally. It's just kind of this thing that's out there. And, you know, it's uh, it's like an insurance policy, you know. Most clubs I know have some kind of insurance and hopefully you don't need it that often, yeah. but when something goes wrong, like fire insurance, how many fires do clubs have? I don't know, but they all carry fire insurance forever. Mm-hmm. Um, so that when you do have that fire uh, and something bad happens that you're going to be covered, you know, we don't think of advocacy in the same way, but it is an insurance policy for your business. And quite frankly, it can have the biggest ROI, like, you know, having, having harmful legislation stopped, whether it be a sales tax or bad, you know, con- bad contract terms, or even work required for privacy rules and so on. All of those things um, have a higher ROI than, than the vast majority of capital projects you might pursue in the club. Yeah, it's a great point. To prevent those from happening anyway. Yeah. All right, so we talked about gym um, advocacy, um, talked a little bit about um, you know just bringing in revenue and some of the challenges regarding that. Any other trends in the industry that you think operators should be keeping in mind? Yeah, um, you know, I think, um, you know, one thing that, that, that I feel like um, doesn't get talked about a lot, uh, whether we go to the conventions or whether we go to, um, you know, trade shows or conferences, what have you, is that, is that there's a lot of, um, you know, the HR and the hiring part of it, you know, of things in, in recruitment. You know, every club right now is out there trying to figure out how to recruit. You know, everyone has tons of positions that are open. It's been difficult to hire. In many cases, hiring for um, wage rates that are that are above where people are currently in your own club. So, you know, you have a lifeguard that you're paying $15 an hour in order to hire the next one. You got to hire at 17. Well, then what happens to the person who's been with you for a year or two and still making 15? You know, so HR and recruiting is a big deal. Um, I think all clubs that I know, um, in some way, shape, or form, um, are are dealing with this issue are dealing with the fact that they have positions that are unfilled, that they have, you know, a, uh, a less than, than complete staff. You know, I think that's important that, um, you know, you stay in front of that. And then the other part of it too is, you know, on the HR side, making sure that uh, we've seen more and more um, employee claims. You know, I think people are out there looking for um, ways to sue companies for employee and labor related disputes. I mean, it's just, it's on the uptick. And whether you as a company are at fault or not, a lot of times these suits come in and in, in amounts that are below the deductible. So a lot of times employee um, claim, you know, insurance um, claims against for employee matters have high deductibles as part of plans. So 
you know, you might be to have a deductible of $50,000 and someone comes in and says, Hey, you know, X, Y, Z happened. I want it. I want you to pay me $30,000. So then clubs are in this position of saying, do we write a check for $30,000 to settle the claim? Or do we fight it, which might cost us $30,000 in legal fees or more. Right. So these are the kind of challenges that, that are coming up. We're seeing more and more of them. Um, even with folks that I talk to in the industry that, that, that there are, um, that's kind of the next, the next frontier used to be where someone might slip and fall or hurt themselves on equipment or things like that, which, you know, been part of the industry forever. Um, you know, people hurting themselves and the next week they're back working out, even though they're suing you. I mean, those kinds of problems <laughs> have always been there. Um, yeah. but, but, you know, I think this is another one that's going to come up and it can be potentially very expensive, um, for, for the club operator, especially as more of these suits, uh, uh come, come to the fore. Yeah. Interesting. I didn't realize that that was a growing problem. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, what should clubs be doing um, to kind of safeguard against some of these issues? Yeah. I mean, in, in that particular case, document, right. I mean, everything that you document, you won't regret um, any kind of issues related to um, employee matters need to be documented. Uh, certainly have a good HR attorney. Um, somebody that you can trust um, to advise on those matters because each state has very different laws. Um, if you're a multi-state operator, what's in our case, good in Maryland may not be good in Virginia. Um, but the best thing you can do is continue to document, document um, any kind of interaction you have with employees, especially the counseling statements or any issues are bringing up, uh, maintain two or two or more people in the room at the same time to make sure that you have witnesses to everything. Um, and you're quite frankly, treat employees well, right? I mean, the, the baseline is that um, while there's always a, you know, going to be a, um, you know, there's always somebody who's going to raise an issue. I mean, that's just inevitable when you look at, especially our case, we have a bigger organization. Um, I think the better you treat your employees, obviously the, uh, the less of this is going to happen. So don't fire a hundred people on zoom. Yeah. I saw that, that better.com guy. Was it 900 people? I thought. Yeah, you're right. I think it was 900. It was 900. And, and, and a lot of it was work from home. And he felt like, I guess some people were working from home for only two hours and therefore quote unquote stealing, um, from the company. My initial thought on that was not so much that, that this person was right or wrong for, for doing that, but if you're an investor in that company or somebody who wants to write a check to that company, um, yeah, how do you read that? Um, yeah, you got to think of the optics. Oh, yeah. And if you're an employee at that company and you think that that's going to happen, I don't know that's going to engender a, certain amount of, a, a tremendous amount of loyalty. Yeah. Um, you know, but, but I also understand that work from home is a tricky, tricky thing. I mean, luckily in our particular industry, we don't have a lot of, you know, most of it's work from the club. Uh, in the yeah. fitness industry, there isn't a ton of work from home. Although, you know, speaking of at home, you know, we're, you know, like a lot of clubs trying to figure out how to, how to reach the member in their home, mm-hmm. um, that, that with COVID, you know, people talk about new business lines, every club trying to figure out what they're going to do from an on-demand perspective and saying, okay, how do I offer content to the member when they're not here in the club? Because we were, we were always afraid of what's next. What's the COVID, what's the COVID story around the corner? You know, um, what's the general opinion of our membership you know, related to, 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 to working out in terms of in-person or going to a class, a group class. Yeah, I'm willing to be a member, but I may not feel comfortable in a class setting. Um, and then every other competitor seems to be doing an at-home option. So if you don't do it and don't offer it, then you're behind your comp- competition. So that's been this kind of really interesting change that we've seen is that, you know, people are, you know, you talk about at-home, people are doing at-home workouts. And, you know, we have our own on-demand platform. We filled the number of classes, but the question is how long are clubs going to continue producing their own content, which clubs can afford to do that, um, so I really see a great opportunity for licensing of content, you know, those content creators licensing that licensing that to the club groups 
yeah, so maybe it's not your favorite instructor, but it's still a good class and highly produced and, you know, takes a certain amount of uh, AV equipment and lighting and mics and all that stuff to get it, get it to sound good. And so not every club is going to invest in that. So I yeah. think you're going to start seeing a lot more licensed content out there, you know, clubs adding as a value proposition. I would think that, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm not going to try to promote specific brands on this podcast necessarily, but um, I think that there are a number out there, well-established players who have a leg up in this space and will continue to, to gain advantage because of the amount of money they can put into it. People who are very familiar with already providing, you know, at-home workouts. Okay. Now I just have a different way of monetizing that or a different way of providing that to the, to the group. So uh, that's something I see coming up. Um, another one everyone always asks me about is like Peloton and, and trends. And, you know, um, I thought the sex in the city thing is a cool, uh, is a great story, obviously, because you know, Mr. Big and spoiler alert, I guess, right? Like I think everyone knows at this point. <laughs> yeah. I think everyone should know. Right. Like, but Mr. Big dying and then, and then coming back and a Ryan Reynolds produced ad with his dream girl. Did you see that one too? I did. Yeah. And then the stock goes back up somehow. Um, you know, what we've seen is, you know, as a parent, so I have three kids, so maybe that's one of my fun facts today for you, Rachel, <laughs> um, but my kids are older, but when they were younger, you know, getting them anywhere was tough. It wasn't easy to take them point A to point B. You need snacks, you need a diaper bag, you get them in the car, they got to wake up from a nap and you have this narrow window of time in which anything could be done and yada, yada, yada. So we're seeing a lot of, um, you know, younger families who typically would come to the health club, you know, mom or dad, bringing the kids in, doing a class and at 9 a.m., you know, so trying to time the naps or whatever they're doing, right, that they'd come in. That member isn't coming back as much anymore, at least in our clubs. You know, what we've seen is that, um, you know, if we're seeing a, an effect from kind of the at-home workout group uh, and, and equipment is that that workout is easier to do at home. That easier, I can just grab that, you know, whether it be a bike or a treadmill or some other connected piece. I can do that at home without the schlep. I can do that at home without coming in. So whether, you know, you or I decide after work to go grab a workout, fine. You know, lunch hour, I don't think that goes away. I mean, that's still part of the same schedule. But that group that didn't have an at-home option, especially for classes, but like taking classes, you know, that, that's, that's reasonable now. And it reduces the schlep factor. It, 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 it makes it more efficient for that mom or that dad to deliver that service. So I just think that's, um, that's a trend that's kind of interesting to me. And I don't know what the longevity of it is, but I think it's something that we, we as a club have to figure out how to reattract that group to come back uh, in our walls, at least certainly in our, our, our club organization. Yeah. Or just figure out how to stay connected with them. Mm -hmm. um, you know, whether that's through an on-demand option or, or whatever. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think obviously life has changed in yeah. one way or another. And I think, mm -hmm. you know, for clubs, it's just kind of trying to figure out where are people struggling um, and how can we best serve them? And this kind of, I don't, you know, I know everyone hates the new normal, but things are different. And I don't know that everything is going to go back to normal. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree. Obviously there's going to be changes that happen that become sea changes. And if, you know, what we're, what we're seeing out there in the world, and I've talked to a lot of club, club groups about this is that the type of equipment that our members are using inside the club has changed. You know um, I think you're seeing more strength equipment uh, mm -hmm. or more need for strength equipment. Uh, than, than cardio. You know, I think cardio equipment maybe is less utilized, at least in our clubs than it was pre-pandemic because maybe it's a little harder to replace all the strength equipment. It's much harder to buy a complete set of strength equipment than it is to uh, purchase one, one bike, you know? Yeah. And I think our members see that. So we've seen more, more um, consolidation of our membership traffic inside of our strength areas as opposed to in our cardio areas. And, 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 you know, I think without speaking too much out of turn, most of my friends in the industry probably tell you the same thing is that they're seeing some of that. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, that's I'm, definitely I'm, what I'm hearing from a lot of operators. Yeah, and, and then on the flip side, to buy strength equipment, it might take you how long, right? So club operators are trying to figure out, okay, well, I want to buy some equipment next year. And then they tell you, you can have it in June, you know? And so that becomes a challenge. And, and you know, for those companies that are have good, strong manufacturing bases um, here in the U.S., that's great. But if, if you don't, you know, if you're shipping it in or even some of the component parts being shipped in, can you get them? You know, that's, that's proven to be a real challenge. So we've heard crazy lead times um, on some of the equipment uh, and that's causing some issues for operators who are waiting to even open clubs. They're trying yeah. to open a club, the equipment comes in at the end and it's just not there. Yeah. Um, so we've seen that quite a bit. And I, it does extend to other types of things, you know, that we might buy, uh, but but equipment's where you might feel it the most, especially if you're trying to open a brand new club. Yes. Yeah, definitely a challenging time to do that right now. Yeah, yeah. We have a we have a club that's opening up as a competitive club uh, near one of ours um, pretty soon. And, you know, I talked to, I, you know, obviously it's a small industry and I talked to somebody over there at that group and I said, hey, take your time. I don't care if your equipment's on the truck. <laughs> nope, no, no worries. You can take as long as you want to bring that in. That's fine. Don't delay. That sounds good. Um, but yeah, it, it is hard, you know, and if I was in that position, you're kind of pulling your hair out because you've orchestrated a great opening plan. And now it's just all falling apart at that 11th hour because of delivery lead times. And I think the manufacturers over time will correct this, but you know, right now it is what it is. And I think you need to plan accordingly. Uh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Thanks again to our sponsor, Club Solutions Mastermind Groups. The Club Solutions Mastermind Groups offer peer-to-peer -peer support that's affordable, convenient, and for all levels of health club management. Go to clubsolutionsmgx.com for more information. Yeah, so you know, you mentioned strength training. We've talked a little bit about virtual, which are obviously really top trends in 2021. Yeah. Um, what about outdoor fitness? How are you feeling about that in 2022? You know, I like it. I think we'll continue to invest in that, um, at least in our company. Um, you know, how to do it exactly um, is 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 the question. And and you know, we've um, we've always kind of done a little bit of that. I mean, we would take our members out of the club and jog them up and down the street, you know, outside the club or in the parking lot. Yeah. So. I think we've always felt like that was a nice um, addition. The key is having the space to do it. I think a lot of clubs are just, it's hard to do. Um, but we had tents up for a long time uh, with outdoor group X classes. You know, we have some outdoor turf fields that we leverage for personal training or small group um, already. So I see that continuing. Um, I really do. I think, um, you know, the question will be how to create this space in a kind of more semi-permanent way. So just this doesn't put, it doesn't feel like, uh, a pop-up store that actually feels like something that's that's permanent and real and part of the membership, um, and that's you know that's the other kind of you know piece for us as club owners is okay how do we um, continue to provide value inside that membership? You know I mentioned yeah. you know earlier like you know hey on-demand platforms you know for the operators that are typically in kind of you know our price point which would be not um, we're not country club prices but we're certainly not um, a low price club you know we're we're actually um, you know, we, we bundle it in, right? So you're trying to say, okay, we have outdoor fitness or we have on-demand fitness or we have this or we have that. You're doing whatever you can to create the, you know, the value for the member uh, inside the club and doing it for everybody, right? Rather than making it an all card option. So we are seeing more and more of that. And I think the outdoor piece of it, um, you know, the tricky part is always getting the equipment in and out. So, you know, finding storage solutions and finding more permanent or semi-permanent fixtures to make it easier to get those um, get people out there and start up those classes or allow for uh, autonomous workout workouts is pretty important. Yeah. Yeah. I think another idea too, that doesn't even require maybe even having a space for outdoors. is just, you know, everyone kind of got, um, re, uh, sorry, what's the word I'm looking for? 
um, you know, everyone was going to parks, going hiking. Yep. I mean, you could even look at creating like a hiking club or a running club within your organization. That's just a value add and that mm -hmm. adds more community because at the end of the day, that's what people are really looking for. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think we, you know, some clubs are, are really active in that kind of way, organizing team runs or getting people out on the trails. And that's been great. I mean, I really feel like um, extending the brand of the club outside the walls is always something that we've wanted to do, mm -hmm. you know, what whether it be sponsoring, you know, or even running youth sports teams to go and play in tournaments and that type of thing um, to doing community events or even sponsoring community events. We've always kind of done that. And um, you mentioned like the new normal, I think it's more of a return to normalcy for us. Like how do we get back to doing things we always used to do? Yeah. And that's what we want. I mean, I will say everyone's just tired. Everyone's just like, Oh my gosh, because we're going into almost year two of this and we're finishing year two anyway, almost starting year three. And, and we're just tired. They're tired of dealing with like this Groundhog Day effect of get up, try to make this work. I mean, our industry is supposed to be fun. It's supposed to be exciting. It's supposed to be kind of innovative and challenging and, 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 and not one that's just coming in and punching the clock, you know, every day. There's a reason why, yeah. you know, I think in our industry, maybe it's not the world's most lucrative industry in terms of, you know, where you're coming in like versus like a Facebook engineer and a personal trainer or a front desk person. You're not necessarily in it for the money. Um, in many cases, people are in it because they like the environment, they like the people, they like fitness, and it's and it's it is kind of a, a happy place to work. But when it's you know fewer members and it doesn't feel as crowded and things aren't back to normal, it's not quite as much fun. So I think our our kind of message to our team and what we're looking for this year is really to say, hey, let's start you know leaning into bringing back what's what what worked before. You know, let's get out of this defensive mode and get into one where we're actually playing offense in terms of how we build back to uh, what we were and how to continue to, you know, kind of think forward looking, not just, okay, let's get through this month or that month. And it was really easy to get in that mindset, you know, especially in 20, uh, 2020 where you're just like, okay, let's just get to another day. Let's just get to another day. Let's just keep going. And now that, you know, I think the attitudes of the consumer base are, are changing um, people's attitudes towards clubs. I mean, very rarely now on the, on the, on the news to hear restaurants, bars, gyms, restaurants, bars, gyms as being these places to avoid, um, so all some of head, these headwinds dissipate, people are ready to come back. And so now we've really got to push forward and say, okay, we're ready to have you back through the program services, features, uh, renovations. We've done all the stuff that, that would entice the member to come back before we've got to create that opportunity now uh, for them to return and feel like, wow, there's a reason for me to come back. Um, I think a lot of members who canceled still aren't back. I really believe that a lot of members who canceled their membership still haven't returned. So I think the fundamental challenge for our industry in 2022 is how do we get them back? How do we encourage them to rejoin the club? How do we encourage them that to, to come back into a, a facility, you know, like ours, uh, instead of finding other alternatives to working out either at home or in a park or somewhere else? Yeah. Like you said, be on the offense, not defense. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so are you feeling pretty optimistic about next year? Well, I'm always optimistic. So uh, I think uh, that's the way to get through all this. Right. But I, I do. I mean, Obviously, there's um, I think there's going to be cases that go up and cases that go down. You know, what we're not hearing, even with the new variant, is significant hospitalizations attached to it. You know, certainly that can't be a predictor of what's going to happen five years from now. But I think, you know, depending again, depending where you are, geography has a big, big part of this. A lot of the country has returned back to normal. Like COVID's a thing that's out there. They understand it's out there and they're moving forward. Other places, it's much more prevalent in front of mind. And you know, everyone's wearing masks, whether they have to or not, um, you know, and I think there are different regions, but I feel optimistic. I think people are ready to return normal. I think the more normal things they do, uh, the more likely they are to continue doing them. Um, you know, one, one thing I, I, I feel like, 
you know, to be important is what level of restrictions governors put in. And I thought it was interesting, like Governor Colorado recently, and, and you know, uh, was a Democratic governor came out and said, look, if you're not going to get vaccinated uh, and you're not going to get the booster and you're not going to try to take care of yourself and do all the things that keep you healthy. OK, it's on you at this point. We've been at this for two years. Either you're going to do the thing that's going to keep you safe or you're not. And I'm done trying to fight you about it. Yeah. You know, and I think that may be the attitude that continues to seep into other facets of, of the country. You know, that I think that that people are there, they feel like they've done their part and now they're ready to move forward. And I think there's much more understanding of the risk of COVID uh, at this point um, to you as an individual, given your health profile. And so people can, I think, take more appropriate precautions. You know, there's a lot less of wiping down the mail these days than there was, you know, two years ago. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I hope it's I'm not as contentious moving forward, too. I think mm-hmm. I have noticed I'm not hearing as much arguing um, mm-hmm. just in general. So I hope that continues. Yeah, absolutely. You know, one one thing we didn't talk about is kind of the overall economy. I mean, we talk about inflation generally and, and prices going up. But, you know, I think my advice to any club owner who has um, and I'm not an economist, uh, I am not a lawyer uh, at all. So or an accountant. Um, but I do I do have a lot of experience working with with, you know, our banking relationships and bank debt generally and, and financing projects and so on. And I think um, I would encourage anyone to who can you know, to start looking at their financial um, picture, especially it relates to debt. You know, I think there's a lot of signaling about rate rising of interest rates coming the next year. I think banks themselves, even at the end of the year, you know, I was talking to my banker the other day and, you know, he, he knows that just in you know, our little small town and his, his office, he's got 40 deals to close between now and the end of the year. And, and what I mean by that is like people are either banking in on, on tax provisions and trying to avoid maybe more punitive taxes in the future, which is certainly, I think happens every year. There's always the threat of some new tax that happens next year. Um, but more importantly, rates might rise. You know, when you look at this inflationary environment, prices going up, typically a response is to raise interest rates to curb inflation. And when that happens um, and you are in a position where you've got to refinance your debt, you're now paying much, much more on your payment. So the best thing you can do, it's almost like refinancing your house. You've been looking at it as a business and making sure that uh, if you're able to lock in a longer term rate right now, if your business can support that, if your asset uh, profile or perhaps your or, um, operating um, income is sufficient to justify this and the bank still likes you, I would do whatever you could to secure a, a low rate right now because I just don't love the way the future is going to look um, in, in 2022 and beyond in terms of interest rate environment. Yeah, that makes sense. My husband and I are actually looking at selling our house and buying a new one and I'm really hoping to do that before things change. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and, and it just makes sense. It, it really does. And you know, again, the caveat being, will the bank lend you money? Are you strong enough as a borrower? Are you strong enough as a business to be able to achieve that? Yeah, makes sense. Mm-hmm. Well, um, any other best practices you can share for how clubs can be successful in 2022? Oh, yeah. Um, well, there's probably, I mean, whatever, whatever I say, I'm going to miss some, right? But, you know, I think, um, you know, from a best practice standpoint, um, you know, we, we talk about two things here. One is, you know, we're not going to cut expenses out of this, right? So those clubs are still in recovery. You know, you can't cut expenses to replace revenue. At the end of the day, you're still going to need that revenue top line to come in. Um, you know, and I think what we're looking at uh, from a best practices standpoint is just, um, and some clubs are already great at this. You know, I think we are been around since 1984. So when you have 19, if you've like lived in the same house since 1984, you probably have some crap in the closets you forgot about. Um, so we spend a lot of time just being more efficient. We spend a lot of time just making sure that we've streamlined our operations such that, 
you know, as we continue to grow, and that's certainly our plan as a club company is to continue to grow, um, we can do so in a way that's not requiring us to jump so th through so many hoops. You know, is our back office efficient? You know, are, is our membership sales process efficient? Um, do we have a lot of clarity in terms of how we're making decisions throughout the club so that there's less friction in the business, right? So I think for us, it's eliminating friction from the business is number one um, that I would tell, and, and I would tell everybody to do that. Just take a look. There's probably some process and procedure that you're doing that takes longer than it should. Or, and the people who put it into place don't work there anymore. And you don't even remember why you're doing something, you know, and, and, and everyone's got those, got those kind of stories. So I think getting that done is job one. And then number two on the revenue side, you know, I really think, um, you know, don't be afraid to, to look at price increases for your business. You know, I think from a best practice, I think if, you know, if your prices are going up, um, you know, on the input side, you're going to have to respond. And I know a lot of clubs are afraid of price increases. They're afraid of putting more in the members because they hear all the stories of inflation. But I just remind everyone when they go to the gas pump, you know, I guarantee you, whoever's selling you the gas is raising the price as the price of the gas goes up. And people understand. I think people right now understand what's happening. Um, and the degree you have good relationships with your members, um, you know, that obviously will make, make any of those um, increases more palatable to them because they're going to understand that, yeah, okay, we, we know that in our case, ACAC is doing a good job and that, you know, they're trying to take care of their people. It's not just let's raise rates just because we want to punish our members, you know, that there's a, there's a good reason behind it. And it's almost expected at this point. Yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to get other, other good best practices. You know, number one, go to all the Club Solutions events. It's amazing if you have an <laughs> opportunity to attend any of them or participate in one of the mastermind groups. By all means, reach out to Bob Surface and, and get signed up. And we'd love to have love you. it. Yeah, so plug you guys because we're here. Um, yeah, other best practices, I think, um, get involved. You know, get involved. I think whether it be URSA in the Trade Association, um, you know, which obviously I would encourage everyone to become a member and start learning what everyone else is learning. You know, Ursa actually just put out a really cool uh, best practices document. It's like 28 separate items. And I know a good friend of mine, Aaron Moore, who's also on the board and Vita Fitness in, in DC did it. Um, he's a you know, great operator, really smart guy. And, you know, it's going to be full of those kind of nuggets. So the more you're connected are to, to the knowledge base that's out there in the industry, the better, the better you're going to be. Um, and then also start connecting to other club companies. You know, one thing that, that if you haven't done it already um, that I can recommend is that this is such a great industry because everyone's so sharing. You know, yep. there are, are very few giant national players out there. You know, most clubs are regional, smaller chains. Um, they're non-competitive. And so you can really lean on your industry peers to give you good advice. And so building relationships with industry peers, either the ones that you meet at your conferences uh, or the ones that, you know, perhaps you already know or have been connected in some way, I think you start reaching out to them because they're going to help you with best practices. Um, and especially those clubs that are most like you, like if I was reaching out for best practices, I probably wouldn't reach out to an HVLP club um, for as much as I would a club that looks just like ours, you know? And so, you know, when you say, hey, what are best practices for the industry? I think it does depend a little bit on the model. And I would encourage everybody to reach out to those that are kind of like them to see if there's any nuggets you can pick up uh, along the way from those conversations and potentially help another fellow club owner. You know, I think, uh, you know, it does feel good to give too, not just uh, receive. Yeah. That's the no, Christmas I would agree. That's, that's the Christmas message, Rachel. That's like, you know, <laughs> hey, don't. Um, that goes back to the very full circle when we started this thing. There we go. Was, yeah, I'm just bad. I'm just bad at the actual gift giving part of it. Um, <laughs> yeah, I wish I was better. Um, you know, I think, you know, other things, um, gosh, we haven't really talked a lot about, you know, you know, marketing strategy and what's, what's you know, all of those things. But, um, you know, if I could wave a wand, I'd have a sweet content library. Uh, of our own brand. I think so many clubs are trying to figure out how to build content in video libraries. 
I think we're going to see more and more investment there from us, um, especially as more and more dollars go digital. You know, I know that's tricky because you're trying to figure out what the ROI is on digital. Um, but at the end of the day, I just think, you know, we're going to, we're going to continue to try to see how we can become a better content engine uh, and producing content that gives our members a uh, more value from the club, um, but also potential members a better insight as to what we're doing and why we're different and why they should come to us instead of somebody else. Um, yeah. And video and, and especially is telling a story that is much harder to do in a print ad uh, and much harder to do in, a, in, a, in an email blast that you might send out. Yeah, for sure. Video has um, consistently been one of those um, marketing mediums that's been getting better ROI and has been rising in popularity. And I think it's just projected to continue down that road. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, I think I think it's been um, but the last two years, I think, has been been a challenge. But I think there's a lot of people who have who are probably going to merge stronger from it, which is great. Um, you know, what are you hearing from the industry generally? I mean, am, am, what I'm talking about does that dovetail with what you're hearing from the other folks you've invited onto the podcast? Yeah, for sure. It definitely has. Um, yeah, definitely a lot of optimism. Like even with uh, Omicron, even with the, um, uh, sorry, how do you say Omicron variant? <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, with Delta, that was obviously a, a big bummer. I think a lot of people were seeing a resurgence and then Delta kind of um, put a stopper on that. But I'm hearing that Omicron isn't necessarily having the same result. I think what you were saying earlier about the consumer just kind of, you know, understands COVID's a part of our life right now. Um, and they're not necessarily letting it deter them from the activities that they want to participate in. Um, so I think that's a good thing. I, I think um, a lot of operators are feeling pretty optimistic overall. It's good. You know, I, one thing I'd be remiss if I didn't talk about was really where I see kind of kind of the medical wellness side of things going. Um, mm -hmm. You know, our club company has, you know, been kind of heavily invested in that part of fitness for a long time. And, you know, what we're seeing out there is really exciting. So as an aside, we run a, we also run a, a business called Weld Health um, that we founded that it's really an electronic health record for, for the you know, fitness industry and also really other community health centers and designed to help connect um, health clubs to healthcare, you know, do the record keeping, the um, HIPAA compliance, and all the pieces that most people don't want to deal with uh, in the club level. Um, and we've grown that company pretty, pretty substantially even throughout the pandemic, just simply because there's more and more need for uh, prevention. People are much more in tune to becoming yeah. a healthier um, to, to avoid the future variants, as it were. Um, but also the insurance companies and other healthcare providers, people really controlling the dollars in the industry are really starting to invest. So you're going to see a trend, you know, whether it be in 2022 or beyond, where an increasing number of services that are easily supplied by a health club operator are going to be reimbursable expenses and paid for as part of an insurance plan. And we're very familiar with the idea that a check-in in and of itself can be, can be paid for, but I would not be surprised. In fact, I would pretty much guarantee based upon where we, where we see the things going, that, that more services are going to be included in that, whether that be um, go programmatic, you know, whether it be a cancer or diabetes type pro, uh, based program, or where it be actually um, assessment driven, where you're gonna start seeing, um, you know, different kinds of data being taken at a health club that are useful to a healthcare operator um, or health insurance uh, group, because, you know, having these outcomes and being able to track whether or not the programs that we're, we're performing inside the club or whether or not visiting and exercise actually makes an impact on health is going to be increasingly important. And health clubs are this really cool thing because we have bricks and mortar. We're always looking for new members. We'd love to have you uh, at any time. 
you know, so the degree to which we can leverage that massive network of bricks and mortar um, stores to be part of the healthcare continuum um, is, I think that opportunity is great. I mean, it's huge. And you, know, you think about health clubs, I don't know how many are there are left now, 30,000 health clubs in the, around the country or something. You know, that's a lot of locations and we can quite often deliver services more effectively than healthcare. You know, um, weight loss, for example, is one that healthcare hasn't really solved for, but you know, it's something that they're certainly uh, advocating for. You know, we can deliver that more effectively in a health club environment than you can at your doctor's office. So I think that that trend will continue, I think, for those who are not actually at least dip their toe in the water um, in that arena. I think now is a good time to learn because you're going to be seeing increasing amounts of money flowing into our industry from outside of it. Um, and if you're not prepared, if you haven't done some of the homework, if you haven't you know, basically set yourself up for success in this arena, you'll be leaving money on the table. Um, and your competitors who are offering these same programs are going to be the ones that are that are that are reaping those rewards uh, while you're on the sidelines. So I uh, certainly encourage everyone to get involved in, in that side of the business. Yeah. So, you know, how would that work? Would a club operator want to talk to some of the local health insurance companies in their area or like how would they you know actually take advantage of that? Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's, it's a great question. So, you know, I think first and foremost, there's a number of programs that offer um, what I call per visit type transactions, you know, um, getting paid essentially free to the member membership where the club is reimbursed for that activity. Those have been around a long time, silver sneakers, most famously, but I think you're starting to see reimbursement rates that are more closely aligned with membership rates there. And so I would make that a first, a first start if you're just dipping your toe in the water, because it's, it's tried and true, fairly, fairly easy to implement. Um, and that's a good start. The other parts of it that I think that are interesting are, um, you know, if you're, your state may actually have, depending on the insurance company in your state, uh, it still is state by state, may have reimbursement for some of these programs and services. Uh, diabetes prevention program is one that's seen a lot of reimbursement from healthcare throughout the country, especially YMCAs who, who've um, been very successful implementing that program. Yeah. In particular. So I think those are good places to start and to see what potentially might be covered in your state. Um, and, and then the final piece of it is I know a lot of folks have started looking at uh, dietitian services. Um, and, and getting those inside the club and making those potentially reimbursable. Um, I think what I would say that is um, do you do your research and definitely talk to clubs who have already gone down that path ahead of you um, because they're going to help you avoid some of the pitfalls. Yeah, we call them tuition payments, by the way. Like it costs you a lot of money to get an education, you know? Yeah. So we try to, you know, I think when we think about tuition payments, um, if someone else already made that tuition payment, uh, perhaps you can kind of shorten the cycle there and maybe not cost you as much to get the same information. Um, yeah. You have that network in place. Yeah. Awesome. Well, you know, lots of great stuff, Chris. I know you've given a lot of food for thought for the audience to, um, you know, just noodle on in 2022. Um, you know, you already shared a couple of fun facts about yourself. So I'm going to kind of pivot and ask a different question. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> um, are there any uh, recent books that you've read that have been really intriguing to you as a leader or any podcasts that you really like to consume that you'd recommend to the audience? Oh, geez. Um, you know, we, um, yeah, actually have read a few books. Um, it was funny. Uh, um, I'm on a round table with some folks and someone said, Hey, we should, you know, everyone should share their great books ideas. Actually a really cool idea. It came from Greta Wagner who runs uh, Chelsea Pierce. Uh, and she's giving out Kindles to her key staff preloaded with a number of her favorite management books as a Christmas. Oh, I love present. that. So, you know, I think her, her, her uh, quip or her phrase was that uh, leaders are readers. Uh, and so one that I actually put our um, team through just the other day was something called turn this ship around. Um, it's basically, I don't know, it's fairly, it's kind of old, but a guy who took over a submarine and made it a better submarine 
in a very hierarchical Navy, um, you know, naval environment where there isn't a lot of reward for breaking the rules or deviating from established protocol. Um, but how to create a system whereby your, your team is also a leader, that they're not just looking as a top down from the captain of the ship, but as a leader, how do you and your organization empower your teams to become you know, thoughtful themselves and to take more ownership of their decisions? So we actually just did an exercise around that book. And um, I think the goal is to, to, to take this decision-making and not just have it be siloed at the top, but to allow your team to grow and build through the decision-making that, that they're making themselves and taking more ownership um, of what's happening in their, in their whether it be their club or um, even at a higher level in management. Yeah, very interesting. I'll have to add that one to my. Uh, well, hold on, we got, we got, we got, we got, we got it right here. We got, we got copies of it. Yeah, <laughs> what it looks like for all you. Nice. The there you go. See, perfect. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, I'll have to give that one a, a look. It's pretty easy to read. Um, okay. Um, so yeah, nice. We're yeah, it's it, it is. Uh, yeah, I think the the list of business books is so long, and I feel like um, the other one that I would just tell everyone to read is go read Measure What Matters by John Doerr. Um, just because I think it helps create discipline around deciding it is, you know, what your goals are and then what are the measurements and the, and the different objectives you need to achieve it. It's worked for Google um, and a bunch of other big tech companies that you've heard of and use every day. Um, so chances are there's probably some applicability to what you're doing in your club yeah. too. Love it. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time, Chris. And it's always good to talk to you and see you. Oh, absolutely, Rachel. I look forward to seeing you again. And thanks for having me on and, uh, you know, Good luck with the podcast. I'm happy to participate and, uh, you know, you appreciate the, uh, the opportunity to talk to you. Thanks. Good luck with Christmas shopping. <laughs> Hope that it goes well. It. I will definitely. <laughs> awesome. Talk soon, Chris. Thank All you. Right, thanks so much. And that wraps up this episode of the Club Solutions Magazine podcast. Thank you for listening. And if there are future topics you'd like me to cover in upcoming episodes, please let me know at rachel at clubsolutionsmagazine.com.